I, uh, I thought about preaching from 1 Corinthians where it says your body is one member and when one hurts the other one does too. Um, I fell earlier this week and broke a bone in my elbow and uh, it hurt. It makes the rest of my body hurt. But uh, I'm glad to be here and I'm glad I don't need surgery at this point yet. Uh, they'll take another look at it, but it's okay. Uh, and I, I was also thinking... Uh, I asked Wayne if I could have permission to share this. He's out helping get ready. You know that thermometer we had? We dumped it out. We broke the thermometer. The thermometer broke by the mercury shooting up that fast that it took care of it. That is amazing. Yeah. 247000 in June to nothing now. The, if you didn't hear about it, the mortgage is paid. It is completely paid. That is amazing. And that's you. You did this. We together did this. It's the many members. So we'll have a, a celebratory service. Uh, it wasn't appropriate this morning with Murph. Murph was involved. And so when, when they get that together, we're going to have a little party. And uh, it won't be conventional. Let's put it like that. Uh, Isaiah 62. I, before we start, though, let me ask you a couple of questions. Um, what's your name? Somebody asks you, what's your name? What do you tell them? Your name, right? Yeah, so what is your name? Did you ever stop and think about what's in a name? So uh, throughout history, people have, have looked at names differently, but what's in a name? So if somebody says, uh, if you meet somebody this week, and they say, uh, oh, uh, Somebody you don't know, first time you ever met him. And they say, uh, my name is Dwendal. How do you approach that person? You know, you've never met this Dwendal, it's another Dwendal. What is it that shapes your view? I mean, when they say their name, something happens. You, you Subconsciously, you, you look at all the other Dwendals you've ever known and you kind of shape them together. I, scientists have studied this. By the way, names are important. Um, I grew up with a, you know, this old music that uh, is only good for dark times sometimes. But you know, one of the first songs I remember is a boy named Sue. You know, now there's a girl named Tom too. But anyway, uh, a, a boy named Sue, and and how this this boy was given the name of a girl, and and we can kind of laugh at that. But do you, are you aware of this? That that um, Children who have gender-neutral names, and there are some gender-neutral names. doesn't mean you shouldn't name your children those names. But children, uh, this, this was really, they did a study of boys with names traditionally given to girls. So uh, where they're uh, crossed, uh, Ashley is one. There are some boys named Ash. And sometimes you meet somebody named Jamie, and you don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Um, this is really fascinating information. Uh, when in elementary school, boys with names that, uh, are, are, that can cross both genders behave just like their more masculine named boys. Now, I, I hate those terms even because then we kind of pigeonhole people. They behave the same until sixth grade, and then something drastic happens in sixth grade. And this, uh, once those, these boys hit sixth grade, all of a sudden the rates of disciplinary problems skyrocket. 
for those boys with girlish names. And, it's, and so it's, you're beginning to wake up as an adult then and beginning to kind of see. Chris would be another one, uh, depending with a C or a K. You know, there's all these names. doesn't mean you shouldn't name them that, but there, there is something to a name that is really powerful. There is something to a name that is really powerful. Um, and in the scriptures, there is something to names that is, is really powerful. And I want to I look at that. And I want us to think about this in the terms of providence as a church, but also us individually. And, and I think we need to first ask the question is, who are you? If somebody says, who are you? Somebody asks me that, I'll say, oh, I'm Marcus Yoder. Oh, well, who's Marcus Yoder? Well, I'm Monroe's Milo's Leroy's Marcus. But that's just my paternal side. On my mother's side, I'm uh, Dolphitz, 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 Iles, Frida's son. And it's all these kind of conglomerations that make me who I am. And, uh, but, but as a believer, who are we? Uh, let's, let's look at Isaiah 62. I want to look at Isaiah 62. This is God speaking to Israel. And it says this, beginning at verse 1. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no longer, you shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And this, the, the premise of this is Israel is, is stuck in a cycle of sinning and then return. Sin and return. And, and God is saying that is going to change. And, and, and you will become the delight of the world. And it is through the Messiah that that happens that we know. But I, I, I was thinking about that and... And I was thinking about the, the question, who are we? Who, am, who is Marcus? Who is it that God made you to be in the kingdom? Now let's just step back a little bit and say, you're, you weren't born for the 1800s, and you weren't born for 2022. You were born for this time. God had you born for this time to the parents that he gave you, and you're, you're here on, the, on earth for a reason. That's bigger than just um, making money. That, that's important, but it's bigger than that. You're here, and if you believe in the kingdom of God, if you believe in the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is the most powerful force in the world, then you are called to be a part of that kingdom with a unique place in that kingdom that only you can fill. Uh, my, my kind of own personal journey with this happened about 20, 25 years ago. Um, I once went to a, a, a men's retreat, and I really didn't want to go. I, it was the appropriate thing to do, because I had paid the fee. And the closer it came to the time, and it was in Colorado, and uh, I, I just didn't really want to go. And uh, I flew to Denver, and 
I drove up into the mountains at high altitude, and I, was, I weighed a little more than I do now, even then. And I, I, I could barely walk from the place where we slept. And, and we slept in this bunkhouse, and there, there was 150 other men there. And none of them were Mennonite. I didn't think it was appropriate for a Mennonite to be there. I, I was had all these arguments with God about being there. And, uh, but I could not walk from where we slept to where we ate without going, <laughs> with the altitude. And I felt, I felt fat. I felt out of shape. I felt like I didn't belong. All these other men were much more stylish and much better at life than I am. And, uh, and we went in uh, to the main room, and, and they, had, uh, they had music, and, and I thought, well, this isn't very good music. I, you know, I had all these arguments with God. And um, in, the, in the middle of that time, uh, we had the first session, and, and this, this man gets up, and he talks about how, um, how he, as, a, as a boy, he was an adopted, he was, his mother had him, his real father died, and... Um, and his adopted father was a Navy veteran, and his adopted father, his, the man his mother married, who had adopted him, was a really rough man. He would never call him by his name. He'd just always call him uh, the stupid seagull. That's what he called his son. He said, because seagulls are good for two things, squawking and going to the bathroom. And he, sa- he said this to his son. And his son grew up with this, and his son became a believer and, and he could never even, he could, he could not use his own name very well when people would talk to him. He just felt this, this struggle. And, um, and he, he went out in the woods and he prayed and God spoke to him powerfully and said, you are, and he used his name. And he said, you're my son. And I, I was listening to all of this and thinking, wow, that's amazing. And, uh, and I was really wrestling with my own identity at the time. Uh, my father... And I were just kind of coming back into relationship, longer-term relationship. Um, and I, I had believed a lot of lies about myself. And then uh, the next service we went in, and the music was rather loud again. And I was thinking about the previous one, about uh, the whole premise was letting God give you a name. Letting Him t- speak to you and affirm you for who you're called to be in the kingdom. And in, in, uh, we were just finishing the song, and I heard somebody say, Mark. And I looked around, and, and uh, I thought they said it over the loudspeaker, and I thought, well, we, we had, there was no cell service, and I thought, well, maybe somebody's trying to get a hold of me. And uh, I, I thought, well, that's weird. And it, I heard it again. I heard it again. I heard Mark. And a few people, including some of my family, called me Mark. My sisters actually called me Marky, but anyway. Um, and I thought, well, I, maybe they don't mean me. But I, I felt this, and I, I poked the guy beside me. I'd never met this guy. And I said, did you hear that? He looked at me, and he said, what? And he thought I'd lost it, and I realized he hadn't heard it. And I opened my Bible, and right before I left, Narita had given me a bookmark, one of these name bookmarks you buy. And she couldn't find Marcus, but she found Mark. And I suddenly realized that God was speaking to me. It's one of those moments the only time in my life I've ever heard an audible voice. I looked down and the bookmark said, Mark, a strong defender of the faith. And I suddenly realized my space in the kingdom. You know, I was comparing myself to all these other men there and thinking, oh, they're all much better than I am. They're all, they all, you know, they all have it together. And I suddenly realized after a bit there that they didn't really have it all together. They were just like me. But God had given me a special place. And so, um, my name is Mark. 
I'm called to be a defender of the faith. I'm called to fight for the kingdom of God. And that's, that's who I am. And, and I, that, I was about in my mid-20s, at the, uh, my late-20s at the time, and that, that direct speaking of God, that speaking of affirmation to my heart, that speaking of that voice to my heart shaped my, my spiritual life like nothing else ever has. And I suddenly, I, I, I believe that, that I am called to be in the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm called to be here to be Mark, to defend the faith, to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is lost and dying and to other believers and to call us all to those places. But I do not think that I'm unique. I think that God wants to do this very same thing to each of you if you're part of his kingdom. See, we can strive and strive to be a part of the create, uh, to, to create ministry, and we should. We should, we should work at programs. But programs will never give you a calling. A calling is something that comes from God. And, and you should ask God, and especially you younger people, what is the, what is, and, and even older people, it's okay. It, it, it shapes differently over the years. What is it that God made you to be? God made you with a purpose. Um, this is not about a job. It's much bigger. It's about what makes you truly come alive. And if you want me to truly come alive, put me in a group of people where some of them don't believe that there is a person like Jesus Christ. And, and I, I love that world. Not, that's not for, for all of you. Some of you are called to walk individually. I, I'm not here to tell you what your calling is. I'm here to tell you that you should be asking God, God, what is my place in the kingdom? What is my name? Who am I? Because the most powerful thing that the world can see is people who know who they are. And by the way, this is not a remote thing in Scripture. There are, there are a number of other accounts in Scripture. Uh, chief among them is Abraham. You know, the word Abram means big shot. Uh, high man is what it means. Names are very important. Um, it, it means, uh, yeah, big guy. And God comes along and says, yeah, you're the big guy, but I'm going to make you Abraham, the father of many. And I'll, I'll just tell you the story of Jacob. Jacob and Esau are twins. They're born. And um, Esau comes out all red and hairy. Did you ever think about that? Um, that is quite the baby. Let me just tell you that. He had identity right there. And uh, they call him Esau. And Jacob has a hole of his heel as he's coming out of the womb. And his mother and father call him Jacob, the one who trips up others. The one who, has, who grabs heels, trips people up. It can also mean liar. And... Uh, and he, and he proves to be, he proves to live out his name. Uh, 15, 20 years later, 30 years later maybe, um, he's asked his name again. He goes into his father's death chambers and his father says, Who are you? What is your name? And he says, I am Esau. It's Jacob. And he says, I am Esau. He, he trips up Esau by the heel and he has to run. Now he gets asked his name again. He's coming back to meet his brother again. And finally, he thinks his brother's going to have justice. And he's coming back to meet him. And that night he has another fight. He has a fight with somebody and he doesn't know who this somebody is. He's down at the brook and he has this fight with somebody. And they're fighting and fighting and fighting. And finally, Jacob says, who are you? I can't, ta- I can't handle you. And the angel says, who are you? 
He says, I am Jacob. He says, no, you're not. You're no longer Jacob. You're Israel. And he touches him at the socket of his hip. And, and most likely, Jacob, Israel, limped the rest of his life. He felt the impact of that calling. But he lived out his calling. It changed his life. He was able to meet his brother. And, and it's, it's in that same way that God needs to, you need to wrestle with God and say, who am I really? Who are you calling me to be in the kingdom? It happens another time in Scripture. Uh, Peter, uh, by the way, uh, Peter's name is not Peter. Peter's name is Simon Bar-Jonas. Simon, son of Jonas. And there are... Um, They're having this dialogue and Jesus is asking them, who do people say that I am? And it says that Simon, son of Jonas. In in Matthew 16, uh, Simon says, you are the Christ, the son of the Father. And Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah. That's who you were. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but rather the Spirit of God. From here on out, you will be Peter. Peter means rock or strength or strong place. What do you think Peter thought? I, I mean, think about this, getting that name, the power of that. And he says, from here on out, you will be Peter. And Peter isn't miraculously fixed. And neither is Israel, neither is Mark. But they begin a journey. And a few months later, a few, maybe a year later, half a year to a year later, Peter is fixed when the Holy Spirit enters in, and he becomes this, this prominent voice who is destined to lead the church. It's because he is living out his calling, his destiny. And this doesn't mean that, that you need to, to uh, have this kind of miracle, but you need, to, you need to figure out, you need to actually sit down. This is a great time to do it, beginning of the year, and saying, God, who am I? What are you calling me to do in the kingdom? What do you want me to do in this world? And we can come up with all kinds of programs as a church to offer you places, but unless you know who you are, you will not have any impact. In creation, God is calling you in creation, in the created world, to have an impact in in our world. And it is unique to you. Only you can do it. Together, we make a formidable space. Now, Now, I would also... Uh, by the way, up until that time, uh, till till twenty uh, some years ago, I had, a, I had a dear friend who, who um, who said your primary identity before that was this little Amish boy. He said when God touched you, it changed you, and you're no longer the little Amish boy. You are Mark, and when we can speak those words of affirmation to each other. And he said, I, I, I see you operate. I see you've been touched by God. That is so powerful. Because it gives people the freedom to be who they are. And not, by the way, not everything is going to look the same way for each person. Not, not all of you are called to be defenders of the faith in the same way that I am. But you are all called to be a part of the kingdom of God. And you're all called to be somebody different than you were born. Now, uh, also just be very aware of this. So, who are you? God wants to give you a new name. The third thing I just want to affirm is that, is that Satan will attack you at the place that, where you bring the most strength. Satan attacks your destiny. 
He attacks you at the place where you can bring the most strength. Think about Jesus out in the, in the desert with the temptations. And the, the first place Satan comes against is, Who are you? Why are you here? And uh, Peter, here's another one, Peter. Peter is given the opportunity to be the rock in just a few days from here. He's given the opportunity to be the rock. And he denies Jesus. And so, the place where you are called to be the most powerful in the kingdom is the place Satan attacks. So how do we do this? What will it take to discover who you are? Let me just suggest this. First of all, you need to be willing to actually examine your own heart and say, what am I living like? Who am I living like? To actually examine your own heart and say, how am I living? And, when G- and, and to be willing to be obedient to the call of Jesus in your life. And the call of Jesus grows in our lives. It's not just a one-time thing where you become a Christian. It is a growing process where God is um, enlarging us, calling us by Mark, saying, Mark, now I want you to do this. And I can tell you that's not, it, let me, let me just, I don't want to, I don't want to be negative, but it's not going to be an easy journey, but it will be a worthwhile journey. Do you want, to, I, I would rather die knowing I've lived powerfully than die knowing I've lived easily. All of us desire to make an impact. And if you want to make an impact, the first place you make an impact is on your own life by being willing to look into your heart and saying, what is there that needs to be dealt with? What kind of selfishness, what kind of lusts are there that need to be dealt with? The second thing that you need is you need to to live within a band of other uh, warriors. You you uh, You need fellowship is the right word. You, we need each other. You know, I am not complete. And then I get married, and we are not complete. But as a church, God, is, God is, is putting together a more complete package. I'm not like you, and you're not like me, and that's something beautiful. That's something beautiful. But we need to recognize that that the the core context of our destiny as believers, it's meant to be lived with a group of believers. It's never meant to be lived alone. We need each other. And so this is what I encourage you to do with that, is, is actually tell other people who God is calling you to be. Maybe we ought to have a, a naming ceremony in church. Take a year of pray, and at the end of the year say, now, now who is God calling you to be? Um, but, but when we speak our journey, when we speak the call of God on our lives, it is much more powerful than when we keep it within ourselves. And then, a willingness to live within our calling. I have been tempted many times to just kind of retreat, and I have. There have been times when I have not been the strong defender of the faith. There's been times when I've been scared. And when those events happen, just like with Peter, what we do at those moments is simply say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. 
for not following through on what you've called me to. And, and we confess and we repent and we move forward. And don't allow your past failures to hobble you to not give today. You know, um, I think our churches are hobbled. I think the evangelical church, the, the Christian church in, in the Western world is hobbled by several things, but one of them, I think, is guilt. And the one way to deal with guilt is to simply confess your sins, confess your failures, and say, I'm not going to live in those. And so when you do that, it gives you power to live well, to live within your calling. Let's stand together. I just don't buy the idea that you're called to live the rest of your life sitting on your hands. That's a figurative way of saying sitting on your hands doing nothing. I think you're, we're called to give. And we do that in unique ways. And I invite you to that as we pray. Lord Jesus, as we think about a name, who you've called us to be, who you've called us to be as a church, as Providence. And Lord, for, for those of us um, who have these glimpses of our destiny, I pray that you would give us the strength to live in that. And for those of us who, who maybe say, well, I'm not quite sure where I fit, I pray that you would speak. I'm so reminded of in the desert when um, you were facing your temptations, Jesus. You, you faced them so you faced them, but then you heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. And I pray that you would give vo- uh, words of affirmation and blessing to each of us as we live out our calling. And Lord, together we make a, a more complete package. Together we, we live and we, we are more powerful. And so I pray that we would have the strength to examine our own hearts, the grace to tell other people about it within our fellowship, and then the strength to confess and move forward and to give to our world. In Jesus' name, amen.